Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning. <laughs> it's March 11th. Welcome to Manna for Breakfast. Get ready to into the Word. We'll look at a couple of Facts of history and uh, dad joker too. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 4 today. Find your place in your Bible and go to Numbers chapter 4 as well as Matthew 15. So over on this day in history, the Madrid train bombings, March 11th, 2004. Many of us remember that. It was horrible terrorists set off a series of 10 bombs during rush hour aboard the commuter trains in Madrid, Spain. 192 people were killed. 2050 were injured. I've been in Madrid, very crowded city, and I couldn't imagine the mayhem that would have happened during rush hour on a train. Very sad. Um, Mikhail Gorbachev, May, March 11th, 1985, takes office as leader of the Soviet Union. He is the superpower's fourth leader in three years. Um, he was the one responsible for the wall coming down. And yeah, the one that seemed to have some kind of leadership qualities and desiring to try and take over the world. Oh, and if you're into the Partridge family, they had their hit song, March 11, 1971. Doesn't somebody want to be wanted? That by sung by David Cassidy. Girls, if you remember. All right, let's look at a dad joke or two. Did you hear about the kidnapping at school? He's fine. He woke up. I should have done this one. Let's try that one. There. Never make it as a comedian, huh? How can you tell it's a dogwood tree? By its bark. <laughs> I lived in Tennessee. The dogwood tree was the uh, state tree. So I know all about dogwood trees. Very pretty. Okay, we can now move over into the reading this morning. We are going to be in Numbers chapter 4. So thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be in your presence. We ask that you would, again, as always, keep our minds open to the things that you desire to show us. Give us understanding in these words we're about to read. In Jesus' name, amen. Duties of the Kohathites. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Take a census of the descendants of Koath from among the sons of Levi by their families, by their father's households from 30 years and upward, even to 50 years old, all who enter the service and do the work in the tent of meeting. This is the work of the descendants of Koath in the tent of meeting concerning the most holy things. When the camp sets out, Aaron and his sons shall go in and they shall take down the veil of the screen and cover the ark of the testimony with it. And they shall lay a covering of porpoise skin on it and shall spread over it a cloth of pure blue and shall insert its poles over the table of the bread of the presence. They shall also spread a cloth of blue and put on it the dishes and the pans and the sacrificial bowls and the jars of the drink offerings and the continual bread shall be on it. They shall spread over them a cloth of scarlet material and cover the same with a covering of porpoise skin, and they shall insert its poles. Then they shall take a blue cloth and cover the lampstand 
for the light among its lamps and its snuffers and its trays and all its oil vessels by which they serve it. And they shall put it in all its utensils in a covering of porpoise skin and shall put it on the carrying bars. Over the golden altar they shall spread a blue cloth and cover it with a covering of porpoise skin and shall insert its poles. They shall take all the utensils of service with which they serve in the sanctuary and put them in a blue cloth and cover them with a covering of porpoise skin and put them on the carrying bars. Then they shall take away the ashes from the altar and spread a purple cloth over it. They shall also put it all its utensils by which they serve in connection with it. The fire pans, the forks, the shovels, and the basins, all the utensils on the altar, and they shall spread a cover of porpoise skin over it and insert its poles. When Aaron and his sons have finished covering the holy objects and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, when the camp is to set out, after that the sons of Koath shall come to carry them so that they will not touch the holy objects and die. These are the things in the tent of meeting which the sons of Koath are to carry. The responsibility of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, is the oil of the light and the fragrant incense and continual grain offering and the anointing oil. The responsibility of the tabernacle and of all that is in it with the sanctuary and its furnishings. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, Do not let the tribe of the families of the Kohathites be cut off from among the Levites, but do this to them, that they may live and not die when they approach the most holy objects. Aaron and his sons shall go in and assign each of them to his work and to his load. But they shall not go in to see the holy objects even for a moment, or they will die. Verse 21. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take a census of the sons of Gershon also by their father's household and by their families, from 30 years and upward to 50 years old. You shall number them, all who enter to perform the service to do the work in the tent of meeting. This is the service of the families of the Gershonites in the serving and in carrying. They shall carry the curtains of the tabernacle and the tent of meeting with its coverings and the coverings of porpoise skin that is on top of it and the screen of the doorway of the tent of meeting and the hangings of the court and the screen for the doorway of the gate of the court which is around the tabernacle and the altar and their cords and all the equipment for their service and all that is to be done they shall perform all the service of the sons of the Gershonites in all their loads and in all their work shall be performed at the command of Aaron and his sons and you shall assign to them as a duty all their loads this is the service of the families of the sons of the Gershonites in the tent of meeting, and their duties shall be under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. Verse 29. As for the sons of Merari, you shall number them by their families, by their father's households, from 30 years and upward, even to 50 years old. You shall number them, everyone who enters the service to do the work of the tent of meeting. Now, this is the duty of their loads for all their service, in the tent of meeting, the boards of the tabernacle and its bars and its pillars and its sockets and the pillars around the court and their sockets and their pegs and their cords with all the equipment and with all their service 
and you shall assign each man by name to the items he is to carry. This is the service of the families of the sons of Merari according to their service in the tent of meeting under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. So Moses and Aaron and the leaders of the congregation numbered the sons of the Kothites by their families and by their families' households. From 30 years old, upward even under 50 years old, everyone who entered the service of the work and the tent of meeting, their numbered men by their families were 2,750. These are the numbered men of the Kohathite families, everyone who was serving in the tent of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord through Moses. The number of men of the sons of Gershom by their families and by their families' households, from 30 years to upward, even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for the work in the tent of meeting, their numbered men by their families, by their families' household were 2,630. These are the numbered men of the families of the sons of Gershom, everyone who was serving in the tent of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord. The numbered men of the families of the sons of Merari, by their families and by their father's households, from 30 years and upward, even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for the work of the tent of meeting, their numbered men by their families were 3,200. These are the numbered men of the families of the sons of Merari, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord through Moses. All the numbered men of the Levites whom Moses and Aaron and the leaders of Israel numbered by their families and by their families' households, from 30 years old upward even to 50 years old. Everyone who could enter to do the work of service and the work carrying in the tent of meeting. Their numbered men were 8,580. According to the commandment of the Lord through Moses, they were numbered, everyone by his serving or carrying. Thus, these were his numbered men, just as the Lord commanded Moses. So the duties of the priests, the duties of the Levites. Remember, we have two distinct groups here serving. The priest Aaron, his family, and around him performing the sacrifices. The, the Levites were the ones that helped them. They didn't actually perform the sacrifice. They, they did everything else. They brought the wood and they prepared everything. They, they helped set up, carry, break down all these um, items. So it's all detailed. It's interesting. They lived right around the tabernacle. And we are again supposed to gain from this that God says, I desire a holy people and I desire to be among you and you shall be holy unto me and you shall treat everything that is uh, regarding me, everything that I am a part of as super, super holy. You have to be very careful. And I see in some parallels here some interesting things. We know that we're in a priesthood ourselves, and we see that the church functions in a very, very, very loose way, somewhat comparative to this. God is called within the priesthood of believers in the New Testament, people to different offices, different positions. Some are those that are more directly related to what the priests did when they were performing the ritual of bringing, we should say, not, not so much the sacrifices, but that was the necessary thing to bring people into the presence of God so that they could become right with God was through the blood sacrifice. So pastors have that office that was given, that is given to them to help people come before God and 
be able to have the open fellowship with him. And of course, the sacrifice we, we, we bring, uh, apart from our praise and our worship, but we, we bring the, the message of the cross, the message of the of this slain Lamb of God. And as we proclaim that, the people who hear it and receive it then can be forgiven and come into the presence of God. Others, we see, carry the responsibility of being the evangelist. Others carry the responsibility of being uh, the the workers, the deacons in the church that help the church function, that do the physical labor around the church. You also have the teachers that go in and do all of the work with the children and all the work with the adults and the Bible studies and all of the different helpers. And you have not mentioned here, but will be mentioned, are part of the, the worship that was ongoing around the tabernacle, those who do worship. So we do see that God has different, just like we see in the New Testament, the comparison of the body. God has different members of the body that function. They have different functions, but we all function together as one, one body, which is in Christ. Matthew chapter 15. Then some of the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and your mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this, you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching the doctrines and precepts of men. And after Jesus called the crowd to him, he said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth, this defiles the man. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? And he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant shall be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Verse 15. Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. Jesus said, are you still lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, slanders. These are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. Verse 21. Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from the region came out and began to cry, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. And he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She came and began to 
bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Departing from there, Jesus went along by the Sea of Galilee, and having gone up on the mountain, he was sitting there. A large crowd came to him, bringing with them those who were lame, crippled, blind, mute, and many others. And they laid them down at his feet, and he healed them. So the crowd marveled as they saw the mute speaking, the crippled restored, and the lame walking, and the blind seen, and they glorified the God of Israel. And Jesus called his disciples and said, I feel compassion for the people, because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, for they might faint on the way. The disciples said to him, Where would we get so many loaves in this desolate place to satisfy such a large crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven and a few small fish. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves of fish and giving thanks. He broke them and started giving them to his disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up what was left over uh, of the broken pieces, seven large baskets full. And those who ate were 4,000 men besides the women and the children. And sending away the crowds, Jesus got into the boat and came to the region of Magadan. Anyway, let's look back at this the interesting things that are going on here. Jesus deals with the Pharisees, and they are focused on ritual purity. And what's Jesus focused on? <laughs> Spiritual purity. They want to try and have a works righteousness where they say we can be clean and pure before God by how we take care of the outside of our body and by the code that we keep to be righteous before God physically. And, and they accuse Jesus' disciples of not doing that. And Jesus, interesting, does not answer their question directly, but challenges them and says, you know what? You don't keep, you're not pure because the purity that is within is what counts. And then he attacks one of the core doctrines of a court commands of God about honoring your mother and your father. And he says, you guys don't do that. You manipulate the law. And you don't honor your mother and father. When they need your help, you say, no, I can't help you. My money's for God. It sounds really spiritual. No, he says, the things that defile a man are the things that come out of his mouth, but are connected to the heart, the things that come out of his heart. And this makes real sense. This is really getting to the heart of the issue. You can imagine how many people were really resonating with this when they saw these Pharisees all the time, so proud taking the best seats in the synagogue and, and, you know, receiving the accolades and everything. And I've seen way too many, too much of this with pastors as I traveled around Europe and went all these different places, how some pastors will act like demagogues and receive all of the praise and worship of, uh, of the people there. I even heard, sadly, I knew, I knew the guy, he was a nice guy. He's no longer here with us. He went home to be with the Lord, but I knew a pastor here in town where people used to go to his church say that, yeah, you know, at the end of the service, people would come up and kiss his ring. I said, what, what? You mean like the Pope? Yeah. And I went, Lord, help us. We are not to be taken advantage of, of the 
positions and the offices that God has put us in. We're just talking about that, you know, in the in the the Old Testament. But do we humble servants, which is what Jesus was, is what his disciples were. That's why they could just take bread and eat it because Jesus was focusing them on what keeps one clean inside, and it's the attitude of the heart, and that's where we need to be clean and where we need to where we need to wash is inwardly. That's why we are washed with the water of the word. That's why we eat the manna for breakfast so that we can be washed and reflect on these things that we're doing. Are we walking in purity? Are we holding on to thoughts of avarice or of adultery? Are we thinking about fornication? Are we thinking about things evil, murdering somebody you know, in, our, in our minds, somebody we're mad about? That's the thing that God says will make you unclean. So that's where we need to be dealing and getting down with God and saying, please forgive me, help me. So there is that issue. Then you have this woman that wants to be cleansed. She's a Gentile. And this is one of those strange parables. People look at and go, what is Jesus doing? Why would he act that way? That seems so out of character. And it is totally out of character unless perhaps we see that he was making a point to the Jews around him, that he was coming to the Jews first, but that he was also cared about the Gentiles, that he was also coming to the Gentiles. He's now, we could say, transitioning, if you will. He's He did come to the Jews first, but little by little now, he is ministering to the Gentiles as well. This woman was a Gentile. She has a daughter, demon-possessed. Obviously, that was demon possession to us, not respective of Jew or Gentile. And she is begging him. And at first he puts her off, but because it's so out of character to him, most all theologians agree that, that this was just a test and a probably a working out of prophecy, a prophecy that is just being demonstrated. You know, hey, we don't. I've come to the. I've come to the to my children to Israel, not to not to the Gentiles. And she says, "Yes, Lord," you know, and she she shows her heart of humility that in her heart she was humble. And in her heart, she believed Jesus could heal. In her heart, she knew that she could not. She would not demand. She would not come before him, not say this is unfair, go away mad, and have a prideful attitude. Instead, she was simply humble, and she cared about uh, someone else more than herself. She loved someone, ready to lay her life down, do whatever it took for her daughter. So Jesus sees that, and because of her faith, admitting that she had nothing worthy to receive his help. Jesus says, that's real faith. You put your faith in me. You don't believe that you're worthy. You under, You even are confessing you are a sinner because when Jesus saying saying that, when she says, but even the master throws her crumbs to the dog, she's admitting a dog was something that was considered sinful, something unclean. And so Jesus sees that. And in a sense, that is the way a person is saved and helped by Jesus. Admitting you're unclean, admitting that you have no worthiness, and you simply cry out to Jesus for help, and he helps, and he sees that, and he honors that. So it was, I would say, an act. It was done for a specific purpose. Of course, Jesus loved her. Of course, Jesus didn't want to treat her like trash. It was just something that he did to get her attention or to demonstrate her faith and for the others around to see. So anyway, let's move into Charles Spurgeon. Whose battle? And all this assembly 
shall know that the Lord saith not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. First Samuel seventeen forty seven. Let this point be settled that the battle is the Lord's, and we may be quite sure of the victory and of the victory in such a way as will best of all the display the Lord's power. The Lord is too much forgotten by all men, yea, even by the assemblies of Israel. And when there is an opportunity to make men see that the great first cause can achieve his purposes without the power of man, it is a priceless occasion which should be well employed. Even Israel looks too much to sword and spear. It is a grand thing to have no sword in the hand of David, and yet for David to know that his God will overthrow a whole army of aliens. If we are indeed contending for truth and righteousness, let us not tarry till we have talent or wealth or any form of visible power at our disposal, but with such stones as we find in the brook and with our own useful sling, let us run to meet the enemy. If it were our own battle, we might not be confident. But if we are standing up for Jesus and warring in his strength alone, who can withstand us? Without a trace of hesitancy, let us face the Philistines. For the Lord of hosts is with us, and who can be against us? Love how Charles Spurgeon writes. Such a confidence in the Lord. And this is where we are to be as well. And the more you walk with the Lord, the more that you see, the more you start sensing this kind of a confidence <laughs> that our God is great, can work through anything. All right, well, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for bringing us into your presence and for blessing us with our time reading through your word. We see many valuable things here as we come together, many valuable lessons Certainly, God, how you have a place for us and you have a desire to use everyone in the church. And we are special and holy people and you desire to use us there. You also, God, are a God that gives good gifts. If we'd simply come before you humbly and let us not, God, fall into that trap in the heart of holding on to these things of the world and feeding on the things of the world, Father, help us to feed on your manna. Feed on, God, the things which edify so that the things we take into us will come out of us as blessings and helpful to others. So thank you for that. And thank you for the growth of my brothers and sisters as they come to know you more and more and read your word and grow in strength. And I, my prayer is, God, you would use them to minister, as Spurgeon was mentioning, to be bold in the battle against the enemy, but just to continue to share your word. We thank you for the evangelism team that went out last night we pray that it went very well that they had more opportunities to share and uh, and get your word out that's always exciting to hear the stories that come back and father we all want to remember the difficulties going on around the world we know that uh, china is still waiting to spring on taiwan we wish you hold that back god and thank you that you have, that it hasn't started. We thank you, God, that that is a major answer to prayer. And Israel, God, dealing with threats, continual threats from all of these nations around them, being surrounded by the Islamic world, desiring to destroy them, Syria now, and, and Iran, 
developing these missiles trying to um, threaten Israel with total destruction. <laughs> they have to trust in you for sure. And not in their swords and spears. They have to trust in you, God, for that victory. And we know it's going to come soon. And we know that Russia is going to be part of it. So, God, we just pray you hold back the tide of what's going on. And that, Father, we, we know that prophetically, that as these things pan out, that the globalists and the rulers that are, are ultimately al aligning themselves with the enemy, with Satan, would desire to use Russia to come and with the alliance with Turkey, with Iran, go into Syria and attack Israel for that last great battle before the tribulation, of, or in the tribulation of Ezekiel 38. So, Father, we know that it's going to be huge loss of life um, on every side. So we pray for your hand to stay that, to hold it back, mostly just so that we have time to continue to share with our loved ones, with people we meet about your gospel. We know it's coming. So we just pray that now, Father, you pour out your spirit so people get saved. People get saved on both sides in, in Russia right now uh, and in Israel and in the Muslim nations, in Iran, in the Ukraine. There's so much suffering going on, God. We pray that you would um, open up the floodgates of your gospel to go forth. We thank you for the ministers that, that are ministering throughout the Ukraine, helping people that are fleeing the families, the young kids, the, the wives, the mothers that are trying to get to safety, the old people that, um, that are, many have been traveling for days without food. We pray, God, you'd help them get out and get to safety. And thank you for using the many ministries there. We pray for Samaritan's Purse, which I personally have not heard of uh, working there, but uh, my only guess is because of their dedication to meeting any crisis in the world and severe need that they're working behind the scenes diligently. So bless Franklin Graham and his team, uh, always trying to bring in supplies as well as if Israel is still trying to bring in medicine and food supplies, we pray for that as well. We pray for the world to end, God. Please go in with your emissaries. Bring believers that know how to negotiate to bring to the table to bring an end to this war. And thank you for my brothers and sisters that are standing fast, no matter their condition or their health, that are praying and lifting these things up. And we know, God, that you hear those prayers. We hear of things that are going on over there that seem to be miraculous, so we thank you for that. I pray you use people like um, Joel Rosenberg, um, who has many contacts and knows the political world and can understand the, the real dynamics of that situation, men like him who are believers that can be useful and used within the governments to be advisors and to help bring a balanced biblical approach and how to get out of this, Father, according to <laughs> your will and the protection of life. So thank you, Father. Thank you for this morning. We, um, we bless you and we thank you. And we ask that today, God, you would just simply guide us through the rest of our day. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, thank you guys for being with us. We will see you tomorrow, probably be chapter five, I would guess, of um, numbers, probably five and six, and maybe on in Matthew. So you might check those out on your own when you get, a, get an opportunity. And um, 
just keep praying. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. 